Good morning, Friday. You made it. It's the weekend. This is Peter John. Glad you're tuned in to Rogue Grace. Satan gets his power, the power of death. Not just simply through sin, but through the law. For if it were not for the law, there would be no sin. So don't try to attain righteous standing by your keeping of the law. Because you won't, you can't. But rather, your righteous standing comes through Christ's perfect keeping of the law. And that's where we put our hope, isn't it? That's where we put all of our trust. The eggs are in that basket that Jesus Christ has perfectly kept the law. And that's why Satan's power is crushed. That's why the gospel is a jackpot (laughs) for all of us who believe in it. For all that Christ has accomplished is now yours and mine. Simply by faith. That's all you need. Faith. That's all it takes. Faith. I mean, think of it this way. If the IRS saw somehow you made a mistake or they made a mistake in taxing and they took too much, they took $20,000 too much. And so they wire you back that $20,000 into your account. Now, that's there. It's true whether you choose to believe it or not. If you choose to believe it, you got 20,000 bucks. If you don't choose to believe it, it's still there. You just don't have it. You don't enjoy it. You don't invest it. But if you believe, you have access. And so too, The gospel is the jackpot. It's greater than a $20,000 refund from the IRS. It's there. It's in your account and it's in mine. Whether we choose to believe it or not, it's there. If you don't believe it, it's still there. It only doesn't benefit you to whatever degree you don't believe it or I don't. But if we choose to believe it, to whatever extent we believe that the price has been paid and the work is finished, that is the IRS has wired the money and to whatever degree we want to access it, it's true. It's there and we enjoy it. See what I'm saying? Maybe you do. I hope so. But what the devil wants is a yo-yo Christian. (laughs) That is, you're up and down based on your performance or circumstances. Thinking God is bringing blessing. He's taking blessing. He's bringing blessing. He's taking blessing up and down like a yo-yo. That's what the devil wants 
for you to be up and down. But when you realize that your righteousness is not contingent on your obedience, but on his, Jesus's obedience, not on your perfection, but on Jesus's perfection, you're no longer a yo-yo Christian. You are stable, you are strong, you are centered, and so am I. I pray for you that you will be centered, that you will be stable, no longer a yo-yo. We'll be right back. To the one who sits upon the
There is grace for the humble and grace to the humble. The Bible says that over and over in the Psalms, in the Pentateuch of the Old Testament, and in the writings of the New Testament and the teachings of Jesus. In whether it be in Peter's epistle or Paul's writings or Jesus' sayings, over and over we read that there is grace for the humble. Now, why would that be? Why would there be grace for the humble? It's because it's the humble that say, it is the Lord. Right? I mean, that's obvious, but it's true. It's the humble that say, it is God. When I am in a place of arrogance or self-promotion, I will tend not to say it's the Lord, but I will tend to believe, to suggest, yeah, it's me. But when I am humble or more likely humbled in life and anything good comes as a result, I say it's the Lord. And that's why there is grace for the humble, the Bible says. Let me ask you, have you been humbled lately at work, getting a demotion or having a hard time with your business? Or have you been humbled in relationship the way your spouse has been talking to you or your boyfriend has broken up with you? Or have you been humbled as a kid with your teachers or parents or whatever the scenario may be? Good news is this. The, 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 the reality is, though, that being humbled hurts. <laughs> There's just no way around it, is there? It hurts to be humbled. And maybe I might even suggest there's no way to be humbled except through hurt. But let me say this. The good news is there is grace. There is grace. There is grace for the humble. So if you've been humbled as of late, God has grace for you. You've been humbled at work, at school, in your relationship, in your home, wherever it may be. Have you been humbled? God has grace for you. He has grace for the humble. Just talk to him. Call out to God and he will draw near and give you who have been humbled his grace. Sunset fades 
lullabies have all been sung. We're tucking in another day. Stars appear now one by one, but the stillness moves and the silence yields. Not a single beat is lost. You can hear the chorus in the fields, taking up where we left off. And your praise goes on, rising to your throne, where you go.
now we are going to look at a text in scripture that is very likely the most misquoted scripture or text in the New Testament in the Bible. This text in Hebrews chapter 6 has been said that by my dad in his teachings, Chuck Smith in his teachings, and others because it's true. It has been often misquoted, mischaracterized, and causes many people in Hebrews chapter 6 to begin to feel consternation and maybe even depression. Let's straighten it out, okay? Will you with me? In Hebrews chapter 6, picking up where we left off yesterday, uh, the writer of Hebrews is continuing on with his encouragement, his exhortation to these Christians, these Hebrew Christians, don't go back. Don't go back. That might be one way to rightly categorize or label the book of Hebrews. Don't go back. Go back into what? In Hebrews, it means don't go back into legalism. Now, we often preach, pray, say, don't go back into hedonism. And for sure, that's absolutely correct. But the book of Hebrews is not don't go back into hedonism, but the book of Hebrews is don't go back into legalism. See, continue to remember the book of Hebrews is saying that it is finished. The Christian life begins with it is finished. I love that. Everything begins with it is finished. So the book of Hebrews has been establishing that and will continue to do so. So, but here in chapter six, listen to what the writer says. Therefore, after he said so much of what I have just said, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance. Okay, so he's saying, let's not go again and just stay on these things that are elementary. Let's mature. That's what I want for you. You see, just in the chapter before, he said, I want to talk to you about Melchizedek, but I can't. Because you choke on the meat. You can only attain, you can only consume milk. You choke on the meat, all you can take is milk. And so he says, but it's time to move on past these things, he says. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of de the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if it God permits. We're going to move beyond just the ABCs 
if God permits, he says, what? ABCs of what? The things he just listed. Repentance from dead works. Dead works are always something that are categorized with those things we try to do to justify ourselves. And he speaks of faith towards God. That's the only way one can experience salvation is by faith. Instruction about baptisms, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of water, the laying on of hands for healing and anointing, the resurrection of the dead, our eternal life and eternal judgment. So he says, those things ought to be known by you and we will move on if God permits. Listen to what he says next. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and have fallen away it is impossible to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him to contempt. Wow. That's heavy, isn't it? I mean, there's no way around the fact that that is weighty. That is heavy. He is saying, let's move on. And he then says, it's impossible for those who have been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, but fall away, it's impossible to restore them again to repentance. It's impossible to bring them back. Impossible. Indeed. It is impossible. But let me read to you what Jesus has to say about that impossibility. <laughs> and it's almost as though it's contradictory. But even when the Bible seems to be contradictory, I just agree with it all and say, I have lots to learn. Because listen to what Jesus has to say in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is talking about this very subject of eternal salvation and of um, life that we just read about. And he says to his disciples, he says to them, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his word. See, it was so often taught, promoted, that if you were blessed or favored by God, you had wealth. And here, Jesus turns that all around and says, he says how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And they were amazed. I mean, isn't that amazing? If it's, isn't that foreboding when you think about wealth? What is wealth? I mean, aren't we as Americans, aren't you and I, even if you live in, let's say, an apartment or you might live in a beautiful home uh, in East Medford? I don't know. But chances are, compared to the rest of the world, you and I are wealthy. 
chances are, compared to the rest of the world, you and I are at least in the top 25% or the top 50%, right? You have to agree with me on that. And Jesus says how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And they were amazed. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. They were blown away. What? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And it says that they were amazed at his words. How can this be? I mean, a camel going through the eye of a needle and how often in the past people have tried to explain this by saying, well, there was a gate in Jerusalem that was known as the eye of a needle and a camel could make it through that gate if it got on its knees. Oh, how well that preaches. Oh, how untrue that account is. Too bad because it makes this statement of Jesus all that much more, if you would, intimidating. Are you wealthy? Well, compared to those in, let's say, Zimbabwe, Cuba, Brazil, Chile, Somalia, yes, you are wealthy. And it's easier for a camel to literally go through the eye of a literal needle than for you as a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to Jesus, then who can be saved? (laughs) Jesus looked at them, I like this, and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Even getting a camel through the eye of a needle is possible for God. Even getting a rich person into heaven is possible for God. So when I look back at our Hebrews study, there is this warning. I'm not going to diminish it. I'm not going to brush it aside when it says it is impossible for those who have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they have crucified again the Son of God. It is impossible. But Jesus just taught us when we just read that even as it's impossible to get a camel through the eye of a needle and a rich person into the kingdom of God, Jesus then says, but with God, all things are possible. Seek it.
So going back to our text, let's review it again. For we read, it is impossible for those who have been enlightened, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of God's word and the power of the age to come and have fallen away to restore them back to repentance. It is impossible. And I just referred you to Mark chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus says, It is easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples say, then who could be saved? And Jesus says, with men, it is impossible. Listen, that camel through the eye of the needle is impossible for you. (laughs) It is impossible for you to get that son saved. It is impossible for you to get that employee saved to come to church and hear the gospel. It is impossible for you to get your spouse born again. It is impossible. It literally is impossible. You can't be rational enough, logical enough, eloquent enough. You can't because it's a spiritual experience on a spiritual level. It's impossible for men. But then Jesus says in that same verse, Yes, it's impossible for men. Easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But with God, all things are possible. That's right. Even Donald Trump can hold up a Bible and say he believes it. And for all we know, he might be a Christian. Even Donald Trump. Or, yep, get this. Okay, buckle your seatbelt if you're in a car. Fasten yourself, get ready, because I'm about to say something that's going to make you uncomfortable. Even Barack Obama can be a Christian. Well, that's impossible. I know. But with God, all things 
are possible. Even your ex-husband. Even your wayward son. Even your jerky neighbor. They can be saved. They might be saved. It's impossible. No, with God, all things are possible. Yes, it's humanly impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Do you know that's not only, if that's true, if, if that's true, and it is, of salvation, why is that not also true in every other area of your life? It is true. It might seem like an impossible situation you're in right now, or an impossible obstacle, or an impossible thing to do. Yes, it is. But if God could get you to heaven, if God could save your soul, if God could open your eyes to the light and truth, then God can also solve this problem, deal with this issue, and bring you to the place that you're praying he will. He can, because with God, nothing is impossible. Praise and glory to him. One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. The word became flesh and the light shined among us, his glory
with me if you would in jesus's time during his ministry and his life it's an interesting pattern that begins to develop because in jesus's ministry and in his time it was not the jews that were able to experience the full power of the Lord Jesus. But it was the Gentiles. The couple of instances that it says Jesus marveled at the faith of the one who was healed, each of those has to do with Gentiles. It never says one time that Jesus marveled at the faith of a fellow Jew. Oh, he healed them. I'm not saying he didn't. But it only says he marveled at the Gentiles. Because. Here's why. The Jews in Jesus' day were sin conscious because of the law. The Gentiles in Jesus' day were not sin conscious. They had no law. That is no Ten Commandments, no Mosaic ordinances. So they were free consciously and were free not to sin in the cases of these who Jesus marveled at. They were free to admire, appreciate, worship, and receive from the Lord. That's what it means, fellow Gentile. That's what it means to be free from the law. If you're under the law, or to whatever degree you are, you will be sin conscious. That's the point. That's what the law is doing. That's what's intended for, to make me conscious of my sin. Listen, I'm going to say this again. To whatever degree you are under the law, you will be sin conscious. To whatever degree, big or small. To whatever degree you find yourself out of the law and into God's grace and his mercy through Jesus Christ, you will not be sin conscious. You will not be under the law. It's your choice today. Do you want to be focused on your sin or not? Jesus came to set us free. Praise his name that he marveled at the Gentiles who had no law, but simply admired, appreciated, and ultimately worshiped him, that is Jesus, as Lord. May you enjoy Jesus today, this weekend, this Sunday. He loves you, and there's nothing you can do to change that. In fact, you are in the Holy of Holies. 
You are past the veil. Enjoy where you're at. In Jesus' name. Lord willing, talk to you on Monday. God bless.